It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh Gessman, Kevin Baxter with you once again on Monday, January 14th. Uh, just about six days until the LA Galaxy report for preseason physicals and then preseason training the day after. So really, you're looking at one week until the LA Galaxy are on the field and training for the 2019 season. A lot of things starting to come to a point. The MLS Super Draft is complete. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, obviously, a whole bunch of rumors. A player signed who we told you was going to sign uh, last week. So we're uh, we're batting a thousand there. And of course, uh, really the rumor mill right now is is a little out of control, a little crazy. And we're going to do our best to dive into all of that and uh, get you through that. But before I do that, let's say hello to the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter, the soccer reporter for the LA Times. How's it going, uh, Kevin? Yeah, you know, we got to do the panda and Paco thing more you, often. We don't do that that much don't, anymore. Don't you think people are, are, are like, okay with us not doing it sometimes? No, no. Let's let's hear, let, let's people light up social media and tell us if they want the panda and Pato show back. Yeah, everybody, tell us if you want this annoying intro. Welcome to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato. 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 And Panda. Panda. In the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. I don't know, man. That's that. That to me is 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 one of the more annoying things we have ever done. Just, no, it was cool. And besides, it's the afternoon anyway. So yeah, it it doesn't really work. It's 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 a rainy day. Uh, I don't know. The the galaxy rumor mill is is going a little crazy. Uh, Juninho is landing at the airport tonight on Monday as we're recording. I'm actually gonna head there after the podcast is done here and uh, hopefully get some video and some some quotes from Juni as he lands and comes back to Los Angeles. So that should be fun. Also, I think the scenes will be fun. So. Uh, got that going on. I mean, Kevin, you were in the snow in Kansas City covering uh, Throwball again. Uh, I so, was so, driving did, a Camaro through the snow. Don't ever try that, folks. Did you get a blue one? Did you mandate you get a blue? No, Camaro? it was a black one, which uh, you know stood out against the snow. But again, when it's dark, impossible to see. There you go. Luckily, I am a trained professional, and everything <laughs> went okay. But I was knocking wood the whole time. Trained professional. <laughs> you told me you had to run a light, Kevin, just because you were sliding. I, did, I didn't run it. I slid through it. Okay, you slid through stop. it. That, there's a difference. That's different. You tried. You tried. There was no intent to break the law there. You were. You, you know, were... one of the Chiefs players told me after the game uh, I asked him how cold it was and, and he said it really wasn't too cold on the field but he said the the toughest thing for him in the day was going to be the drive home that he was anticipating the drive home was going to be tougher than the game which wasn't to say the game against the Colts was easy uh, it just that's how t- tough it was driving in Kansas City on Saturday. Oh, there you go there's your throwball update from uh, Kevin Baxter intrepid reporter traveling around covering all the sports. Uh, so anyway, let's go. Let's go to Galaxy now. Um, MLS draft. We we've talked a whole bunch about that, you know, leading up to it and, and what the Galaxy would do. Uh, it's you, the Super Draft. Uh, sorry, MLS Super, super Duper Duper Draft. Super Draft. Uh, I, I think there was a joke D- on Twitter. D- does any league have more hyperbole than MLS? It's, I mean, it, it's just out of control. It's like fake hyperbole because they're like, no, seriously, this is really good. You guys should pay attention to this. And so like, it comes off almost campy. Right. It's almost like it's very campy. And then they put it on TV and it's like, and now we're going to draft another guy you've probably never heard of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, going into it, there, there's a whole bunch of different sort of angles you can take for MLS draft. I mean, you, you had Peter Vermees, who was basically talking before this and, and I think went on Extra Time Radio, which, by the way, if you ever get a chance to hear Peter Vermees talk, he's one of my favorite people to listen, talk about soccer. 
Um, outside of you, Kevin, of course. Um, of course. But Peter Vermees talking about how perhaps, you know, the, the Super Draft or the days of the Super Draft are numbered. Uh, you had Paul Tenora reporting for, for The Athletic that uh, perhaps the, the days of the Combine are, are over, that there will be no more be a, a college Combine before the MLS Super Draft. So now you're just going to the MLS Super Draft. It, from what we saw today, which on Monday, so remember that the first two rounds, Kevin, took place on Thursday. Uh, and it was or, excuse so me, on super Friday. duper. That, yeah, Friday. And then it was so super duper, they had to take a two-week break yeah. to kind of recover before they did the third and fourth rounds today. It, just the two days, not not two weeks. You said a two-week. Two, two, two days, yeah, yes. Two well, they, had, they had to take a break. They did. They had to take That's a break. Where, where they then do rounds three and four on a conference call. Now, the LA Galaxy in total had six, oh, six picks that they could make in the Super Draft. They had one pick in the first round, uh, one pick in the second round, three picks in the third round, and one one pick in the fourth round and I was wondering like certainly on the show on Thursday night and then uh, I'm sure Kevin you and I have wondered as well what the Galaxy are going to do with six picks because quite honestly the senior team roster is already getting pretty full but you figured that there would be room uh, for them to absorb any of these guys that they wanted to down on the USL roster and and, and sort of what they were trying to do there um, so having said that uh, let's go over the first two rounds first because I think the Galaxy uh, pulled a little bit of a coup in the first in their first selection even though uh, there's certain media outlets that are trashing the Galaxy overall for what they did uh, the Galaxy ended up getting two players but their first pick Kevin was the overall 12th pick in the first round so 12th pick first round overall 12th pick uh, and what they ended up doing was uh, actually ended up trading that pick and one of the reasons that this is kind of awesome is that uh, according to Dennis DeClosa Kevin uh, the Galaxy still got the guy that they were going to pick at 12 at number 19, uh, and they expected him to still be available whenever that happened. Uh, and not only that, but the Galaxy got from New York City FC $75,000 in general allocation money. Uh, that's enough salary to basically cover a guy like Servando Carrasco's entire salary uh, in general allocation money, so make it look like it. And for a team, Kevin, that we've heard is, is at least tight on the cap, and all teams are going to be tight on the cap. Um, up to a certain point, and and everybody was sort of just uh, again digging into this. And while we've said that there is money in there for transfers and, and other things, uh, looking at a team that's tied up against the cap, getting seventy five thousand dollars in general allocation money for eight spots, roughly that you drop, and still getting the guy that you wanted, seems like a pretty shrewd business deal. Well, here's what it tells me: it tells me that that uh, Dennis DeClos has already got this thing figured out. Remember, a lot of guys when they come to MLS, it's very difficult because the salary rules and and all the you know TAM money and 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 all kinds of different allocation money and and you know foreign roster spots. It's all very difficult to to get your your hands around when you're new. But you know he spent three years with Chivas USA, and the rules have changed since then, but not drastically. So. Uh, this shows that he really has uh, his handle on how these things work, and that's a good sign. But the other sign is you talk about now they actually saved the, enough salary or got enough allocation money to pay the salary of a guy like Carrasco. That tells me there's more coming because they have money. Yes, they were very tight against the salary cap last year, but remember they got rid of Siani. They got rid of Ashley Cole. That was a million dollars they saved right there. Uh, with uh, Zlatan becoming a, a designated player, they saved some of the money they had on him because he was a – uh, allocation money uh, signing last year, $1.5 million. So they presumably they do have some money, uh, but they've already decided they're going to spend it. When you talk about a guy like Diego Polenta uh, possibly coming, um, uh, the fact that they made that move in the draft to save money tells me that they intend to spend all that money that they already have, the million, you know, if you figure in Salatan, uh, $2.5 million that they have to spend that came off the books after the end of last season. Yeah, it's all sort of a numbers game and how it moves. So anyway, the Galaxy go from the 12th pick, 
back to the overall 19th pick. So they took New York City FC's uh, first round pick at 19. Uh, they signed, or excuse me, they drafted because uh, there is no guarantee anybody's making any team uh, whenever you draft somebody. Uh, Emil Coelho, uh, who's a midfielder from Southern Methodist University. Uh, and so that was their first round pick. Um, this is an interesting signing, if only because of the sort Not of... signing yet. Oh, sorry. Interesting draft... I, I keep saying it too, even though my super articles, draft, yeah, super draft. yeah, it was an interesting super draft, super draft pick, um, because there seems to be some history here with this particular player in terms of you know being a huge Boca Juniors fan, obviously knowing who Guillermo Barrascaloto is, um, and then perhaps uh, wrapping that all up and and seeing if per, perhaps this is a guy who can fit onto the Galaxy roster. So they go for a midfielder. People asking, of course. You don't need midfielders. This is what I saw on Twitter, Kevin. You don't need midfielders. You need defenders. Um, but that's not how the the super draft works, uh, Kevin. Most of the time, you're picking the best available player because even if uh, Quello is it is it Quello or Quayo? Do we know exactly? Quello. Quello. Eh, we'll try it. Uh, even if Quello is, you know, I think one of the one of the better players, it's still going to be difficult for him to make a senior team roster now with the gap between Major League Soccer and college much wider than it was in, let's say, 2009. I, I really feel like the last time the Galaxy had uh, draft picks really make a huge difference um, in their starting lineup. So yeah, I don't, that I, was AJ and, and Omar. Yeah. That was the last really time that they drafted for need because you're right. You know, you never know how these guys are going to project. Uh, you know, you a lot of times you'll maybe this guy uh, you, they draft him as a midfielder. Perhaps they convert him to a defender. You know, who knows? Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there. He he looks like he's a number ten. Uh, it looks like he has some technical skill. I know that um, that Gold.com was not very kind to the LA Galaxy in terms of going after Cuello, uh and picking him up in that number nineteen spot because other. Other teams had him a lot lower on their list, possibly even, you know, a third round kind of guy um, and maybe not even a second round kind of guy. But I'll tell you this, if and we certainly have to play the if game on a lot of this stuff, Kevin, because we don't know how much advanced scouting the Galaxy were able to do of these college draft kids. Um, we don't know because we, we know that whenever Siggy Schmidt uh, was in charge of things that he wanted to revamp the scouting and that when we dove into any of the scouting stuff that we sort of look at, Kevin, is that the Galaxy overall did not have any scouts. They didn't have people out there looking and, and doing this type of, of, of scouting. And so you look at a guy's, uh, you look at, at Dennis DeClosa and Guillermo Barascoloto and, you know, really just both of them coming in. I would imagine that their understanding of who was available in this college draft, uh, who's available in, in the super draft, would be extremely limited whenever they're coming into this. Yeah, David Cameron was their college scout. They let him go a couple years ago when they started the whole youth movement thing, which still baffles me because David Cameron did not make a ton of money and they were going to go young, so wouldn't you keep your college scout? But you're right. I mean, a lot of this is kind of a blind thing. And as far as the criticism of, well, other teams rank, ranked him lower – well, we don't know how the Galaxy intend to use him. Maybe a, a team like, I don't know, Orlando City looks at him and says, he doesn't fit into the way we're going to play. And the Galaxy look at him and said, there's some things that he has, some skills that he has that do fit us. Um, I'm sure they, uh, clearly they were at least somewhat familiar with him, whether it was from videotape or whatever, uh, before they drafted him. It, it, it wasn't a blind pick. And we'll talk in a minute about why they probably didn't pick in the third and fourth round. And right. that goes back to the scouting. But just because one team doesn't like him, I mean, um, you know, you look at the baseball draft, the whole idea of Moneyball and the way the Oakland uh, Athletics draft didn't have been successful with it is because they see different, they see players and value them in different ways. And perhaps the Galaxy looked at this guy 
and he fits into their system in ways that he doesn't fit into Orlando's or Kansas City's or Seattle's, and that's why they had him higher on the board. And knowing that, I mean, clearly what Gold.com was reporting about other teams ranked him much lower. Clearly the Galaxy knew that, or they wouldn't have traded down and still uh, you know, st- still had confidence they were able to get him. Yeah, it's very interesting. He's a number 10 sort of guy, that, uh, central midfield, or central midfielder, central attacking midfielder, a guy who distributes, a guy who can who has some nice technical ability. I mean, you know, whenever you're thinking of the typical United States soccer college kid, you're not going to think, you know, intricate sort of footwork, that type of thing. But uh, Cuello could be that guy. Um, it just matters. It, none of this. He's not going to be this guy this year. No. And that's the whole thing. I mean, even as we're going into the, the second round pick where you had uh, Don Chilat, Chileo, Don Chileo. Uh, who's a forward from Oregon State who was picked in the second round, uh, the natural selection by the Galaxy, 36th overall pick, 12th selection in the second round. Uh, a forward from Oregon State University, this is a, a guy, neither of these guys are going to get a chance to hurt the Galaxy this year because of the of the fact that the Galaxy uh, took them in this super draft. There's, there's zero issues with them getting either of these guys, and even if they don't sign, again, there's no guarantee. What is guaranteed is that the LA Galaxy, uh, if they offer these guys, I believe, a, you know, a bona fide offer, a bona fide contract, uh, do keep their MLS rights basically for two years, almost, uh, it goes December of 2020, so not December of 2019, but December of 2020 is when the rights to those players would pass by, so so even if they decide that, you know, it's not going to work or if these guys decide they're going to go play somewhere else, um, the Galaxy would retain rights uh, to these players, which fair or unfair is one of the reasons that you look at maybe the third and fourth rounds and realize that there were a bunch of teams passing uh, the Galaxy sort of uh, among those. But the bottom line is neither of these guys are going to hurt you. Uh, they they won't probably won't have a chance to hurt you. And anybody who's selected in the MLS Super draft anymore is probably you know one to two years away from being an impact player for you. Maybe maybe the first ten picks have a real chance of sort of being those those difference makers, Kevin. But I feel like even some of the selections that you saw. Look at last year, uh, the second overall pick uh, for the LA Galaxy uh, in the MLS Super Draft was uh, was Thomas Hilliard Arce. Um, and you look at that and say, okay, so how much of an impact did he have on 2018? And the bottom line is that there just there wasn't a whole bunch of impact from him, whether it was because he didn't get the chance to play or whether because when he did play, he, he underwhelmed. It's a big step up now from college to Major League Soccer. Well, another thing, too, is 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 when you draft a player or when you sign a player, that player becomes an asset, okay? And so you look at LAFC last year, they had the number one pick in the in the nation, the number one super-duper-duper draft pick, uh, and they took Jao Mourinho, and now they just, he played a little bit last year, but now they just traded him to Orlando City and got Mohamed El Munir, who's a defender that fits much better into their system. He's guy with an inter- He's an older guy, guy with international experience. So in a sense, you could say their number one draft pick, pick turned into this Libyan international who fits their system better. Um, so, you know, th- these guys become assets. Maybe uh, these two players, they'll give them a trial uh, with Galaxy 2. They won't work out. They won't fit their profile for whatever reason. But uh, after a year of proving themselves, maybe Sporting Kansas City wants them. Maybe Columbus wants them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that draft pick turns into a much more useful first division player or first team player. Yeah, and, and that's sort of what it's all about. Now, we get into the the third and fourth rounds, which happened on Monday as we're recording on January 14th. Uh, those took place via conference call. Uh, I'll tell you right now, there was more passing in terms of teams deciding not to pick anybody than I have ever seen in an MLS draft ever 
Um, so this was an interesting sort of take. Now, usually the Galaxy, and I think somebody said the Galaxy haven't used a fourth-round draft pick in like in four or five years. I yeah, had to go... Bruce Arena was not a big guy on the draft. No, he and he, a whole lot. he wasn't, um, and so he passed a lot. So the Galaxy had four picks that they were able to make in the third and fourth rounds here. Um, so four total players, they passed on the 51st. They passed on the 52nd, they passed on the 60th overall pick, and they passed on the 86th overall uh, pick as well. And they weren't the only ones who were passing. There were plenty of people picking, but, I mean, it, it does... I know Dave Denholm used to scream, and, and probably is still screaming right now, whenever he used to talk about Bruce Arena passing on players um, and how it goes. And, you know, I have I, I generally don't have an issue with teams deciding not to pay, pick guys. Um, you know, again, we could go into... Uh, that the Galaxy looked at the available talent and said, there's nobody else we want. Uh, they looked at the roster and said, there's no room for us really to even put these guys, and there's no room down at USL either, even though we just uh, declined some options on guys and we need to stack that, but we're going to stack it with Academy. So, so they made that decision. They decided that they didn't have enough information to make any of those decisions and didn't just want to pick people willy-nilly. Um, they didn't want to waste the players' time with an almost full senior roster. Having said all that, um, you know, however you want to look at it, Kevin, for me... I'm of the opinion that you draft the guys, you give them a chance in camp. If they show something for you and you say, you know what, there's something to this kid. Yeah, we looked at his tape. Yeah, we he at least interest, our, our interest was peaked. And, you know, hey, kid, if you want to play for the USL, if you want to play for LA Galaxy 2, uh, this is what we can offer you. And if not, you know what, we'll let you go. And, and you can go off and, and do your thing. To me, that makes more sense than just sitting here and saying there's absolutely zero use for any of you towards the bottom of the thing. Is, is that a... Is that fair criticism? Yeah, well, that's a lot of passing. I thought the New Orleans Saints passed a lot, but the Galaxy really did a much better job today. I I'm kind of with you. Again, these players are assets, and you have four chances to pick a player that can be an asset. Now, he could be a good asset or a bad asset. But the money that it would take to sign these guys and the money that it would take to bring them into camp and to take a look at them and to decide if you want to sign them is not all that much. And I know MLS is a league that where they really squeeze the nickel, but it's it's just it doesn't seem to me to to cost that much now, so what I, I guess I'm saying is I w I expected the Galaxy to use all their picks and I expected that partly because Dennis DeClosa talked a, a lot about how he wants to use the USL team, uh, he wants to develop players there. One of the ways you develop players too, remember, is you say you have a guy like Efren Alvarez, a guy you know is going to be a, a, a star someday. Well, he has to have players to play with, so maybe you draft. Uh, a player in the draft that you really don't project as being a first-team player, but he helps make your USL team a little stronger, gives Ephraim Alvarez some competition and practice every day, and then makes Ephraim Alvarez a player. That's one way you use your academy teams and the USL team. I expected them to use all their picks, just again, because it's an asset. If you don't use it, if you throw it away, uh, then it becomes useless, and it just, just seems like a waste of resources. But right. you said something earlier. It was uh, um, unusual for you to make a good point, but you yes. did. Yes. Talking about perhaps those spots in the USL team are going to be open to academy kids. That's another thing that Closa talked a lot about, creating an opportunity, letting the kids in the academy see that there is a path forward, that you're not going to be locked in the academy forever. That's been a problem with the Galaxy. You know, a young striker thinks he has a chance to go and play on the first team and they go sign a Robbie Keane or, right. uh, you know, so the fact that they turn those guys down, I think perhaps you hit on it. Perhaps this is Dennis Closa the first time saying, look, th these jobs that we could have signed these draft picks to, we're not going to do that. These are academy jobs. And the other part of it, too, clearly, another thing that you mentioned is they just didn't have a chance to scout. If they can barely get 
draft picks from the first two rounds, you know they're not scouting these guys that are going in the fourth round. They just don't. They haven't. They have n- nothing on these guys, and and it would be like closing your eyes and reaching into a, a a hat, pulling out a name. But wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be satisfied? Wouldn't you be satisfied with closing your eyes, putting your putting your hand into a hat, and pulling out a name? I mean, you have the av- list of available guys. Uh, you look at you know clearly the guys who I think are are leading. I would say most of the younger scouting and, and sort of looking at this stuff is Sporting Kansas City has, you know, as they said, if they eliminated sort of the, let's see, I, I don't know if I need to explain this or not, but, you know, all the academies and the academy areas um, around a major league soccer team are dictated by a certain radius around that club and a certain like uh, rights area. So the Galaxy can't go to Salt Lake and, you know, go and pick some of those players for their academy because Salt Lake has the rights to those players within a certain geographical area, right? Um, And there's been talk and there continues to be talk about eliminating those geographic areas that you're just allowed to go wherever you want and you're allowed to pick the talent from wherever you want. And for the Galaxy, that would be a bad thing, mostly because they have a hot spot here in and around Los Angeles that they're able to, you know, draw from. But if you're looking for other clubs, the other clubs could then come into this and maybe that maybe that all does, you know, create some some sort of competition between those clubs and then it, it drives just the academy systems that much better and, and, and that type of thing. So you can look at that and say, you know, the the Galaxy could be going after, you know, these guys and, and trying to scout things. But you look at Sporting Kansas City, who is clearly ready right now that if MLS decided that they were going to get rid of that, uh, SKC would be ready to go and poach people from like the LA Galaxy's uh, area. I would guarantee it because they seem to have their pulse on it. It's something the Galaxy don't have. Uh, it's something that Teclosa has been tasked with increasing, which is the scouting availability both here in the United States, uh, especially around Southern California and outside of the country as well. So all of those things are important. But bottom line is the Galaxy are playing from behind right now in terms of that scouting. And so you can see it perhaps manifest itself in these passes, uh, the, the, the four possible picks. And the other thing that you sort of have to look at this, Kevin, is you talked about assets and, and what they got. The Galaxy made deals and in return got some of these picks. Uh, the Galaxy's 51st overall pick, which was the third overall pick in the third round, uh, was acquired from Orlando from a trade that they made on you know December 27th of, of last year, of actually two years ago, the 2017. Uh, you know, the one after that, the 52nd, is, was acquired from Colorado on, on, during a trade in 12, on 12-14-17. Uh, the last one, the 86th one, it was acquired from DCU on 12-12-16. So basically, what you did was you gave them something, you got something in return, and this pick, and these draft picks then went away, so you didn't cash in or you couldn't possibly pick up any value, more value on those trades. Whereas if you went out and picked somebody, perhaps with that 86, you take a flyer on some kid, and you know what? He just sort of fell through the cracks. He needed a little bit of time to develop, and all of a sudden now, he's a world beater, and now you have an asset that you can trade for and do things with. Yeah, how would you like to be the guy that was traded for a draft pick that the team never even used? I mean, that, that's got to be a real come down for your career. But, you know, we you're right about uh, the other teams coming in and poaching in the Galaxy and the close have a lot of work to do to fix what was once one of the best academy systems in MLS. They don't even have an academy director and haven't had one for two years. And DeClosa talked about how Southern California is a gold mine of young talent and the Galaxy need to get things up to speed and I, and I have total confidence that the closest is the guy to do that but they need to get up to speed and, and because when MLS does change this rule if they do all these teams are going to get flooding in here I mean it's this uh, you know California Texas and and maybe Florida that's where all the talent is um and it there's too much talent frankly there's too much for two teams LAFC and and the Galaxy so 
uh, it probably would be a wise decision for U.S. soccer and for the league for MLS to allow other teams to come in here. Before that happens, the Galaxy have to be prepared to uh, to be the number one team, to be the destination club. I think, uh, you know, DeClosa has that reputation, and I think that's really going to help the Galaxy when that happens. But it's, I, I do agree that they probably should have used the draft picks. And again, as I said, those are assets. But we don't know what DeClosa is thinking and what he's telling people in the building. And if he is saying to his academy players, look, we had four picks. We didn't bring in any more competition for you guys. You know why? Because we believe in you guys. We believe you guys are the future. We, we believe in the uh, uh, players we have in the academy. If he kind of gives that sort of a pep talk, I think that would be very beneficial. And and then the other part of this, frankly, is, is you could only have so many players in camp. Um, right. You know, after it, it gets to a certain number and all of a sudden people don't get enough time and training sessions, they don't get, you know, the coaches can't take a look at them. It's, it becomes counterproductive. And what would happen, I think, is they spend a lot of time looking at these draft picks and less time looking at the academy kids that have been there a year or two. Because remember, all these, a lot of these people are new uh, in the Galaxy front office, and they need to get up to speed on these kids, so they need to watch them. It could have just been a numbers game. Look, we, we know who we're bringing into camp. We know these academy kids are going to be in Galaxy 2 camp. There's just too many people to look at. I, I, I tend to agree with you that I think they should have used those assets, but the fact that they didn't, you know, right now it's the honeymoon period, and, and I'm believing in, in Dennis DeClose's decisions, and I think – there is a strategy to this. Uh, it was partly because they hadn't scouted these guys, and I think partly because they have a plan for the players they have in camp already. Yeah, it very well could be there. That, having said all that, uh, getting two players, getting the 75K in, in, in general allocation money, I mean, listen, again, the draft doesn't make or break your season, uh, and it hasn't probably for the last four or five years. Um, so to me, the fact that the Galaxy got cash, if the Galaxy would have gotten $75,000, Kevin, in, in general allocation money and not picked any players, I probably still would have considered it a win for the Galaxy. But they got two guys. They're going to test them out. They're going to see if they can possibly help them. And if not, they think that those probably are guys that are, are USL guys and will sign down there. But they will get a chance to prove themselves and, and try to earn something here with the senior team. I mean, the best thing about the preseason really is that for the most part, you're going to see LA Galaxy players. You're going to see the two draft picks. You're going to see a bunch of LA Galaxy 2 players. You're going to see all these guys sort of in preseason training uh, working together and, and sorting things out. And for Guillermo Barros-Scoloto and, and Dennis DeClosa, emphasized this almost any time he got in front of the camera uh, or, or doing anything was he goes, we need you know Guillermo to take a look at all, at all these guys now. Um, you, yes, we're making some moves. Yes, we're doing some stuff, but really we need to see these guys in camp, what they can do. So that way Guillermo can really start to, to start to sort of, you know, weed through this and put together a plan. I mean, the, the transfer window doesn't open until, uh, February. Let me see. Here it is. Uh, February 13th. Uh, it doesn't close until May 7th. The galaxy will have a chance to, get in there and make some decisions and possibly still bring in some guys and move some guys and do some other stuff. So even once the season starts, that's still the case. Um, so look at what the Galaxy now do by getting people into camp uh, and now starting to evaluate that. And, and Guillermo Barros-Scoloto is going to have to be sort of the, the, the judge, the jury, and the executioner on that. And a lot of that is going to probably revolve around what he sees in the early stages of the preseason and what he's anticipating his needs are going to be uh, throughout the rest of the season. I will, I will say this, though, Kevin. Uh, if you saw the picture of the LA Galaxy technical staff sitting at the table... Um, you had all uh, technical the technical staff that includes Dominic Kinnear. Dominic Kinnear was there, and Dominic Kinnear was in the uh, uh, Scalotto sandwich. 
uh, trying to figure out which one is Guillermo and which one is Gustavo. I showed my wife the picture and she goes, okay, so Gustavo has the more relaxed haircut. And I said, I looked at both of them. Like, they look exactly the same to me. But apparently my wife can tell the difference between the two of them. No, what you do is you just call him G. G. Yo, G, how's, how's it going, G? I, I'm just going to call everybody coach. That's It's just, you know coach, what? Coach, that works yeah, Coach, hey, coach. Hey, coach. But I don't you know, know, when training camp starts, I really hope they give a long look to the Salaton guy. I hope he makes the team. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how he does. He was good last year. I hope he comes back and is able to make the roster this year. You know, that's an interesting sort of, I know you were joking and having some fun with it, but it's an interesting sort of take to see how much of the preseason Zlatan participates in. Um, it's a guy who was not with the LA Galaxy during the preseason last year, came in, I think, two or three games into the season uh, whenever all was said and done. So you look at that, Kevin, and you know, knowing his legs, knowing his injury issues, knowing how he likes to train and everything. And by the way, there was a video, as we talked about on Thursday night, of him back at StubHub Center uh, putting on his shoes, I believe. Uh, it was really exciting. Jaw yeah, we didn't stuff. see what else he did. He might have just taken them off and gone home. Yeah, that, that could have been it. Uh, it only took him like four minutes to get ready last year without preseason camp. He just said four minutes into his first game. So maybe they should do that again. He plays four minutes in the preseason, then he's ready to go. Then he's ready to go. No, I mean, that, and that, that's sort of an interesting sort of side thing that you can keep track on. How much does Zlatan play, uh, you know, in the preseason and how much does that matter? Um, so we'll, we'll see how all of that goes. Uh, in other, are you good, are you good with the draft? Well, no, I want to oh, say one more thing okay. about Zlatan. It was really interesting. I don't know if you saw the quotes out of Europe um, this week where he talked about Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. And Cristiano Ronaldo said that he went to Juventus, left Real Madrid to go to Juventus because it was a challenge. And Zlatan called him out on that, and he's absolutely right. You know, uh, Juventus has won, what, six or seven straight Serie A championships? And uh, uh, Ronaldo went to that team. That was the team he picked, and he called it a challenge. This is a team that perennially wins and is expected to win and is a major club with a lot of money that competes in the Champions League and other European tournaments. Um, it was not a challenge to go there and turn that team around. And and Zlatan called him out on that. He said, if you want a challenge, go to a second division team and try to get it promoted. And that is all to me is very interesting because I think basically what Zlatan is saying is I came to the Galaxy because it was a challenge. Um, he didn't say that. He didn't. He never mentioned the Galaxy. Never talked about MLS. But he he just the, the through the if you read between the lines, calling Cristiano Ronaldo out for going to Juventus in a different league uh, and saying it was a challenge. I see Zlatan saying is I did take a challenge. I went to a team that's been struggling. I went to another league as well. I went to a league that's not on the level of the leagues in Europe, like Syria. And this is a challenge for him. And I, I really think I've always thought that he viewed it that way. And now that he's coming back with the contract that he wanted and starting the season in the preseason and being here all year and basically getting the coach that he wanted, or at least the caliber of coach that he wanted, I think it all lines up for Zlatan. This is what he wanted. And I do believe he, that he views this as a challenge, and we've been around Zlatan less than a year now, but that's long enough to know that Zlatan pretty much gets what he wants. Yeah. And if his idea is to take this as a challenge and 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 turn the galaxy around and get it to a league title, as he's done with other clubs in Europe, I'm going to bet on him. Yeah, well, the uh, Zlatan's favorite LA Galaxy <laughs> player has, has has resigned as well there, Kevin. Um, we should we should point out that Emmanuel Boateng, as uh, Corner of the Galaxy, broke the news last week. Yeah, his best friend. Yeah, it's they they seem like they're BFFs. It's Muffin Jet. Yeah, yeah. Muffin. 
Yeah, 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 we'll see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, but you have uh, uh, the Galaxy officially uh, making that announcement today that Emmanuel Boateng has signed what they say is a new contract. Uh, I think, Kevin, between you and I, we can sort of determine that uh, between in that new contract, it is likely a one-year deal with a one-year option. Uh, and a raise. And, and a raise. raise, yep. And, and This is all old news. This, <laughs> this is one of those things. Hey, hey, by the way, I want to thank, you know, I, I may have said something on Thursday about a certain larger publication that you have to pay a subscription for trying to claim that they broke the Dave Romney news and galaxy fans went after that particular organization and got them to sort of uh, re redo their articles a little bit on that being that uh, the corner galaxy here announced that Dave Romney was signing on December 18th. Um, so anyway, that's just, that was fun. I appreciated that though. You guys didn't have to do that for me, but I thank you for that. Um, no, but I, I think, listen, Emmanuel Boateng coming back. It was something that, you know, he had sort of been in flux a little bit, Kevin. Uh, I will say that in terms of when things got signed and the order of things that got signed, I mean, we've known for a while about guys like Rolf Felcher, who still, I guess, isn't officially signed. Uh, they, the Galaxy haven't come out and, and said it yet, but we know that he is signed. Uh, when you look at Dave Romney or Chris Pontius and when they signed, it, all this stuff happened a lot earlier in the offseason compared to Ima Boateng, who literally, from what we know, signed last week. Um, so this was not one of those things where the Galaxy were slow playing it or doing anything. I think they took a hard look at whether or not they were going to keep Emmanuel Boateng and whether or not they could come to a deal that made sense budget-wise uh, for the team, and, and it feels like they got to that point finally. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, this agreement was reached a couple of weeks ago, but I do think that they they got to a point where they started counting pennies, and that's why Ralph Felcher took a little bit of a cut. That paved the way for Romney and Boateng to get a little bit of a raise, and, and then again, we still have that Siani coal money hanging around. So I think the Galaxy, what the Galaxy don't want to do is get to the position that they were, they learned from, from the Ebra thing. They don't want to get to a position where a player they really want or a player they've been thinking about or dreaming about all of a sudden, surprisingly, becomes available, and all of a sudden, they gave all their extra money to Ima Boateng. Um, and they don't want to be in that position. They want to make sure that they know, you know, the money's there, it's accounted for, they they have the freedom to go out and sign the guy they want. And one of those guys is Diego Polenta, the Uruguayan center back that everyone's been talking about, left-footed center back. It's a position of need for the Galaxy. <clears throat> this is a guy who is going to go play for uh, Scaletto in Argentina, uh, kind of has a relationship with him, decided to follow him to the Galaxy. My understanding, what I've been told, is that the deal is that an agreement has been reached. Now, John Rojas, who covers the Galaxy and does a great job, he talked to Scaletto, uh, I guess at the Combine or in Chicago, yes. talked to him, and Scaletto said that uh, Polenta is coming, that there's a deal done. The Galaxy denied that, but, you know, both people are right. Rojas is right and the Galaxy are right, and here's why. Polenta agreed to the deal. They haven't signed the contract yet. Uh, apparently, the contract will be signed when Polenta comes here for training camp. I, my understanding is he may get here as early as Saturday, certainly by the weekend, and that when he comes here, then he will sign the contract, and then the Galaxy will say, hey, uh, we got Diego Polenta. But he is part of the Galaxy right now. He will be here barring some uh, you know, some disaster. that He will be with the team. Uh, the Galaxy just has not announced that signing yet. That was something Chris Klein promised at the Skeletal press conference, that, that defense they knew was an area of need. They gave up 131 goals the last two seasons. Right. The back line was an area of need, center back, and some depth. And he said there will be a couple of signings. So this is one. So I anticipate the Galaxy getting at least one more outside 
uh, person uh, on the back line to increase that depth a little bit and and to give them uh, some quality maybe that they've been missing. So this is just the first step. There'll be another one. I don't know who it is. I haven't heard any rumors. You have heard some. Yeah, there, but there are some, some out more there. coming in. Yeah, they, they, here's the thing though. I mean, you know, we need to you need to take a deep breath with all of this stuff too because. <sighs> Yeah, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad everybody got to enjoy that. Um, no, I mean, because every now, every South American player, every former former Boca player who is rumored to be coming in Major League Soccer is now going to be linked with the LA Galaxy. Which or is, current Boca player. Yeah, or current Boca player. Yeah, it could, it's going to be linked with the LA Galaxy. And we've, we've seen that happening already. In fact, right now, outside of uh, Diego Polenta, there are two other, there's a right back and there's a goalkeeper uh, uh, possibilities you know, for the LA Galaxy. I'll, I'll tell you that in, in both of those cases, um, I don't feel like either of those are going are leading me to believe that either of them are, are super true right now. Um, you know, just trying to you always have to again, we, we sort of went over what makes a good rumor and how you sort of have to filter through these rumors and, and how you have to figure out whether or not they're true or not. Um, you know, the one about uh, the the. Boca Juniors goalkeeper uh, Augustin Rossi uh, joining the LA Galaxy. Well, he's also linked with, I think, FC Cincinnati. And basically, it seems like FC Cincinnati is a better landing place for them. If you look at the Galaxy and the goalkeeper situation right now, and I'm getting a lot of questions about the goalkeeping position, Kevin. And for me, it's just not really in doubt that David Bingham's coming back as the number one this year. I've never thought for a second that the Galaxy were going to, one, move him, or two, relegate him to be the number two, especially considering I expect him to get a raise this year, and I know people are going to flip out about that, but that's the way contracts work. Um, usually the second year of the contract is more expensive than the first year in the contract. Um, so, you know, they, they didn't have an option on them. Uh, they didn't pick up an option. It was the straight fact that that uh, David Bingham probably has a contract running through this. I don't expect the Galaxy to go out and get another goalkeeper. That just doesn't seem like that's something that is happening. And they already went out and got a number two now, Matt Lampson, who seems like he's a better number two than Vom Stieg. They let uh, Brian Silvestri go. So really, the Galaxy have three goalkeepers on the roster. That's going to do it. You're, you're not going to have four. You know what? This whole thing with the Boca rumors, though, it's bad for us, bad for journalists, because we got to sift, you know, sift through all this stuff and try to see what's true and what's not. But it's great for the Galaxy because you know what it says? It says that the hiring of Scaletto and DeClosa already are having an impact. And what I mean by that is you look at Atlanta United. They weren't even a team, and they hired Tata Martino, and they started getting guys like Almiron and Joseph Martinez. Um, they started getting really talented young players from Latin America. Why? I think part of it was um, somebody flies down there and says, hey, would you like to come play in MLS? And they're like, you know, do you have a team? No. What's your team history? Well, we haven't started yet. Do you have a coach? Yeah, Tato Martino. Oh, there's a name they know. There's a guy that they respect, a guy that has some, some uh, you know, uh, gravitas down in South America, and they're able to go bring these players in. The players agree to go because, not because they know anything about Atlanta United or maybe even MLS, but they know about Tato Martino, and they know he's a big-name coach. I think you're seeing that same effect with Skeletto. Now, all of a sudden, players all over Latin America are saying, well, you know, I could go to Pinarol or I could go to Internacional or I could go to Nacional in, in Uruguay. Oh, wait a minute. I could go to the United States. Scaletto's there. He's at that team, the Galaxy. And, and they know the Galaxy. Surely, surely they know Galaxy because of the history, you know, Dave, uh, you know, David Beckham and now Zlatan, Robbie Keane. So the team already has a name down there. But but you bring in the Galaxy Scaletto and, and for people that are paying attention, Dennis DeClosa, 
all of a sudden that team rises uh, in, in, as a destination for a lot of talented South American players. And so I think you're going to continue to hear these rumors, and that's a good thing for the Galaxy because the more those rumors swirl around, even the ones that aren't true, the more uh, people read and hear about the Galaxy and it becomes an exciting place and it's a place players want to go. So as much as we hate the rumors, it's a very good thing for the Galaxy, in my opinion. Yeah, well, again, I mean, you, you nailed it. It just puts them on, on the world stage again. And, and quite honestly, they have been. I mean, you, you remember last year too, Kevin, just every rumor was that somebody was coming to the LA Galaxy and, you know, you're trying to figure out whether or not they're real. And most of the time they're but, fake. But I, yeah. I didn't believe them last year. I believe them now. You believe them. You're just feeling better about in terms yeah, I, of... I, yeah. I do. I mean, I, I don't believe these guys are coming, but I, what I, I do believe these players have perhaps would have interest where last year it was like, really? I, you know, I, I don't think so. Yeah. So, uh, it, it certainly seems so. And again, uh, Diego Polenta, uh, on his way to the LA galaxy, uh, per Mr. Kevin Baxter here. And, and that seems to be leading and, and Kevin and I had, uh, had, uh, dueling, uh, not even dueling cause they were exactly the same, but just at different time or at the exact same time, just in different words, uh, talking about Diego Polenta and, and the deal not being a hundred percent done. And, and, and again, John Rojas, and we credit him, he's a great guy and we really like him, uh, did a good job of, of trying to get Guillermo on the record there and, and doing a good job of that. And, and everything else sort of fell into, into shape after that. So, um, you know, it, it feels like the LA galaxy are, are it moving in that correct direction now, Kevin, but they do have four designated players, which apparently cause is causing some real consternation uh, throughout Major League Soccer and I guess LA Galaxy fans as well, but certainly outside of LA um, and outside of Atlanta, uh, the two teams who currently, I guess, are, are not officially, but uh, both will have four designated players here very shortly. I, I will tell you this right now because I've seen so many people suggesting it, Kevin. Uh, there is, I, I feel like there is zero chance that MLS adds a fourth designated player rule. This is not some rule that's coming down. It doesn't feel like that at all. No, I, and I, I think if anything, they may reduce the number of DPs and, and, and increase the number, the amount of allocation money and bring in some of these more, I don't want to say mid-level players, but, but less players of less stature, perhaps. Yep, I mean, I maybe. just think that's the way MLS wants to go. You talk about Atlanta United. They have four designated players, though not officially. Um, Gonzalo Martinez uh, plays in Argentina. He has already announced that he's coming to Atlanta United. The club has not confirmed that yet, and the reason they haven't confirmed it yet is because they have three DPs, Miguel Amarón, Ezequiel Barco, and Joseph Martinez. They're trying to sell Almarón to transfer him who has a, several years left on his contract, I believe at least three years left on his contract, according to the club. They're trying to send him to Newcastle United of the English Premier League. Um, the two teams, two sides are way apart, like $10 million apart on the yeah. transfer fee. And Atlanta feels like if they admit, if they sign a fourth designated player, then Newcastle will lowball them and that deal will never get done. So officially, uh, Atlanta United is saying they only have three DPs and that uh, Gonzalo Pitti Martinez is not part of the team yet. Uh, Martinez believes differently. He believes he is. So anyway, but the Galaxy do have four. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about how who is the the odd man out. Somebody needs to to go to create that designated player spot for Ibrahimovic, who has already signed the richest contract in in Major League Soccer history. He's signed for seven point two million dollars. He's coming. Somebody has to go. Um, you know, we talked a lot about whether it's Gio Dos Santos. Is he the guy that's 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 going? It's beginning to look a little bit more like that, perhaps it, it feels more than that even before. Yeah, it feels that way. You know, you, you and I have talked about it, how it feels like, one, the galaxy. I I have been doing this, you know, sort of, I, I don't know, mental arithmetic and trying to figure out, 
you know, where the starting lineup is. I'm sure all Galaxy fans do it. And you, you sit there and you look at the players who are re-signed, who are going to be on the team in 2019, and you start to put together some, you know, some starting lineups. And the problem I always find myself in is that if Giovanni Dos Santos stays, he has no place to go. There is no place in that starting lineup for him. You would have to move somebody else out that you probably brought back for a reason. Uh, you could put him on a wing if you wanted to, uh, but he's not he, hes not playing in the middle. Uh, whenever you look at you know the number of midfielders that the LA Galaxy have, and especially, especially central midfielders, um, there's a lot. So it, it just doesn't seem like the Galaxy have, have been this offseason building with Giovanni Dos Santos in mind. And... Uh, we've also heard many, many a rumor now, and one of the best options that we sort of said was was a real possibility is that if all else fails, and this is the part where it takes some patience on everybody, uh, if all else fails, the LA Galaxy and AEG will. It seems likely that they're going to buy out that contract of Giovanni Dos Santos. Yeah, and that would be. I mean, it would be they'd have to swallow real deep to do that because we're talking about over six million dollars that they get nothing back from. Um, uh, you could say, okay, well, that money goes to Zlatan, so actually he gets Zlatan for $13 million, and that could still be a bargain if he has right. another season like he did. But, I mean, $6 million in MLS is a ton of money, so they would have to swallow hard to do that. But can you imagine the message that would send to those players in the dressing room saying, we believe in you guys so much? I mean, everybody on the team knows that Alessandrini and, and uh, um, Jonathan Dos Santos – you know, the other designated players, those guys are extremely valuable and having to lose one of those and keep Geo would hurt the team. Everybody knows that. So I think everyone in that dressing room would see that if the Galaxy ate that contract to keep Alessandrini and Jonathan Dos Santos and let Geo go, I mean, I think that would send a message. And the other thing is, is if Geo comes back and is, does not have a starting role uh, and does not have a, a a place to play every week, you know, the, the, the amount of sulking that would go on would also hurt the team. So G- I'm getting the feeling now, starting the momentum starting to build, that Geo needs to go. There are a couple places he could land uh, if they don't buy the well, – one would be buying the contract out. Another possibility is there's been a lot of talk with him going to Club America. His dad played there two different stints back in the 80s, uh, has a good relationship with the club. I understand Miguel Herrera is the manager there. Geo liked playing for him with the Mexican national team. They didn't have a place for him until just recently when – Diego Yanez, who's a young midfielder, is going to be a superstar. He's really good. He went to Real Betis. That created an opening for Club America right on the uh, as the as the new season started in Mexico. If the Galaxy pay a lot of his contract, you know there would be a way that he could fit in with Club America. There, there's been a lot of talk about that. Most of it's been joking, uh, but now it's serious. With Diego Yanez leaving right before the season starts, and uh, and Club America with a hole to fill in the middle of their midfield. Gio could go there. The other possibility without eating that contract would be Roman Alessandrini. His agent told me that this, they are in serious talks with Parma in Syria. Ah, Parma is very interested in, in Alessandrini. Um, Alessandrini does not want to go. He says he's flattered by the attention, but he loves Southern California. He wants to stay with the Galaxy. The problem is, the agent tells me, they've been after the Galaxy to extend his contract. This is the final year. 2019 is the final year of Allison Green's contract. He wants uh, some some promise, some stability that he'll be here next year. Um, he's actually trying to put down roots in Southern California, and he wants to know that the club believes in him too. So they're asking for a multi-year contract. Now, why is that important? Well, what if the Galaxy were to come back and say, okay, we'll give you your multi-year contract. We'll give you three or four years, but we're going to reduce your 2019 salary below designated player level 
so we can keep everybody. And then we're going to give you some more money on the back end when we have some more flexibility. When when Geo is gone, when uh, presumably Zolotan is gone, we have some more money to spend. That would seem to answer both questions. It would allow them to get down to three DPs without having to eat the $6.5 million that Geo's owed next year. It would also give Alessandrini the commitment that he needs and he's going to be here going forward. That seems like an easy way out. And I don't know if the Galaxy will do that or not. I don't know how that mechanism would work. But that's why you talk about patience. I don't know that the Galaxy are going to, uh, unless they send Geo to Club America right away, I don't know if the Galaxy are going to resolve this um, in the next couple of weeks. They don't have to. Uh, make that decision until right before the opener, and that's in March. So they yeah. have some time to to sort of see which one of these options works out best. Yeah, and and that's the that's the sort of thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, having four, four DPS isn't against the rules. It's having four DPS after the roster compliance, which would cause some issues for people. So well, uh, here's here's one other thing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, cut you off. No, but one fine. other thing. The MLS Media Day is coming up this Saturday, the 19th. That's right. MLS Media Day is it's a great thing for journalists. What happens is each club sends two, sometimes three players to media day. And what they do is they uh, model the new jerseys. They do interviews with um, the broadcast partners, Univision, um, you know, ESPN. They, what they do is they try to hype the coming season. And since Gio signed, Gio has always been a part of that. He, um, for one reason, he's bilingual. He does speak English. And he meets with certain media people. They, there are select print media uh, representatives who go as well. And each player comes in and speaks to the print media for about 10 or 15 minutes a person. And, and like I said, each club sends two or three guys. Gio's always been a part of that. He's one of the top paid players in the league as a Mexican national team star. He's been a guy that's always been there. The Galaxy have released the three people they're sending this year. This year they will be represented at Media Day by Ola Kamara, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Jonathan Dos Santos, who doesn't speak English nearly as well as his brother does. The fact that Jonathan is going tells me that both Dos Santos brothers are in town. The fact that Gio is not going tells me that the league and the Galaxy are, are not going to use him to promote the new season because they don't know that he'll be here for the new season. To me, that 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 message is huge. Well, and, and you also have to see, and, and certainly people on Twitter have been noticing it and, and on Instagram as well, but they're... Uh, I don't like to buy into this all the time, but in this case, I really feel like it's true that the Galaxy have, in, in years past, pushed Giovanni Dos Santos on as as that part of their marketing plan that Giovanni Dos Santos was you know this great player and that he was a great player for the Galaxy and anytime you saw a picture of the Galaxy um, that was listed you know with with showing the players Giovanni Dos Santos was listed there and he has not been being shown lately by any of the social media accounts uh, for for the LA Galaxy again it feels like one. If I'm then them, I wouldn't show them either because of how much crap they would get by showing Giovanni Dos Santos, especially after last year, and certainly the the belief that uh, that most fans have that Giovanni Dos Santos was not a hundred percent committed to the LA Galaxy last year and bought in, um, and maybe you could even go back further than that. And, and two is that he just didn't play, and you you wouldn't you don't want to highlight that. But you go back to this is. If you're starting to hype the season, Kevin, and you're showing pictures of Zlatan, you're showing pictures of Ola, you're showing pictures of Jonathan, you're showing pictures of Roman Alessandrini, if you're not showing your other DP in that, that seems to be signaling that well, you don't want to get behind him at this point because you're not expecting him to stay. Well, well, th- what this goes back to is something that I think is a... a um, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's a miscalculation that teams in a lot of sports make. You know, uh, this goes back to Tim Laiwiki's time. Tim Laiwiki was the one that started the big drive to get Gio. And remember that a lot of people on the coaching staff 
um, at least two coaching staffs, maybe three coaching staffs now, did not want Geo. Um, but Tim Laiwicki and then uh, Dan Beckerman followed him. They both wanted him, and they felt like, hey, look, we, this is a community with six million Mexicans, Mexican-Americans. We're going to get a Mexican national team star. This is a win-win. This guy can is a good player. He'll represent us in the community, and Mexican-Americans will come to see our team play. And, and that's a, it's a miscalculation. I saw this in Miami where the Marlins tried to sign Cuban-American players and people came out to see the Venezuelan and Miguel Cabrera or, or people from, you know, a, a Puerto Rican and Pudge Rodriguez. They wanted to see good players. It, it really didn't matter to them, to the Cuban-American community in Miami, if the star players were Cuban or not. They wanted to see good players. And I think you've seen that in L.A. There's a lot of Mexican-Americans that are coming out to watch Galaxy games to see Zalatan. And if Geo plays, it doesn't really matter to them. They're coming out to see Zalatan. Um, we've seen it with LAFC. Certainly, Carlos Vela is very popular, but I think a lot of their fans come out to see guys like Tyler Miller or, or you know, Diamandi or whomever else. It, it's it, They just want to see good players. And so I think the Galaxy bet heavily that Mexican-Americans would come out to see a Mexican-American star. Geo hasn't played well. They come out to see Zalatan. So why not have Zalatan be the guy that is your marketing tool? Um, because that's who the people want to see and it doesn't matter if the guy's mexican or irish or german or whatever if he's a good player they're going to come see him yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense uh you know in a lot of different ways um just in terms of the marketability but i mean you know clearly this is Zlatan's team now um you would expect that if g if it was geo's team as it was being portrayed for a while that you know geo would still be on there it just everything feels like it's slipping away here in terms of giovanni dos santos's time with the la galaxy and that's that's probably a good thing. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like it worked here in Los Angeles. He had one uh, semi-reasonably good year. Um, outside of that, it really has been lackluster for a guy that the Galaxy will, uh, you know, I'm still guessing is going to make about six, six and a half million dollars. And the thing is, if the Galaxy buy out his contract, Giovanni Dos Santos really has no, and as we've heard, uh, the rumors last week were, Kevin, that Giovanni Dos Santos basically turned down a transfer to an international team of some sort. We don't know what team. We don't know what league. Uh, we don't know the terms of anything, but basically said, no, I don't want to do that. And that's probably his no trade clause coming into effect with all this stuff whenever you look at it. But with Giovanni Dos Santos saying that, his smart move is to sit and wait for the Galaxy to buy him out. Because if they buy him out, then he is able to take that money and go play anywhere really he wants to go. He becomes a free agent outside of Major League Soccer um, and certainly can go... Um, you know, anywhere else in in uh, throughout the world and, and find a place. And he has that six million, six and a half million dollars in his pocket from the LA Galaxy. So, you know, next year could be a good year for Giovanni Dos Santos in terms of how much money he's making. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, it, it, then it becomes a free transfer. The team doesn't have to pay to get him. Uh, you know, a lot of teams would take a gamble on somebody with his talent. I mean, let's face yeah. it, he's a, he's a great player when he applies himself. Yeah. Um, and everyone, there's going to be a lot of clubs that say, I know the combination. I don't know how to get, I know how to get the best out of him. I don't know how long he'd have to wait. I guess he could go to a team outside the transfer yep. window, right? Because, yeah, but he wouldn't have agent. a contract because basically his contract would be bought out. He would be a free agent, could go outside of Major League Soccer. He could pretty much go anywhere he wants. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that, and again, you talked about the patience, and that's why I think maybe all this waits until March to come out to, to see who blinks first. You know, Gio knows he has the Galaxy over a barrel because yep. they, they, they need a spot for Ibrahimovic. So he can wait until March and then all of a sudden maybe sign uh, a couple million dollar contract to go to, I don't know, my guess would be a team that's close to being relegated, perhaps that needs some offensive spark somewhere in Europe, uh, goes and signs a couple of month contract there, and then all of a sudden he has. 
the off season, the, the early summer period to find a permanent home. It just it seems like it works out really well for him as well. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, other teams can also sit back and sort of let that all play out as well. Cause they also know the LA galaxy will, can, can buy him out and therefore don't have to pay a transfer fee. Now, if you want to jump to the front of the line, you make that move early. Um, and you say, Hey, LA galaxy, listen, um, you know, what we'll do is we'll pay Gio a million dollars and you just have to pay $5.5 million and we'll call this thing good, you know, and, and basically the galaxy can make deals that way. But the, the patience factor of that is that it doesn't matter. They can wait all the way up until the roster deadline day. And whenever that is, they can basically say, oh, and you know, we have 10 seconds until the roster compliance date and we're going to buy out Gio. And that's it. Yeah, exactly. They've already, they've already, if, if the galaxy are smart, and I think at this point, uh, you know, the, the new management showing that they, they do have some sense, what they probably do is they've already said, okay, we're going to write this off. We've just lost six and a half million dollars. And if they do wait until that deadline and, and they get 500,000, they're going to call that a victory because they've already decided they've lost six and a half million. And again, anything they do, uh, any price they pay to uh, get Zalatan on the team in Zio's place I just think that's going to play really well in the dressing room. It's going to tell that team that, hey, we believe in you guys, and we're spending extra millions of dollars because we believe in you guys. Only 47 days until the LA Galaxy match up against the Chicago Fire in the season opener. Again, just one week removed from the LA Galaxy's actually on-field debut for uh, the MLS preseason, the 2019 preseason. Uh, I thought it was funny, and I never noticed this before, Kevin, but um, today, as we go right now, uh, 799 days since the Galaxy's last playoff game and 1,499 days since the last MLS Cup win. That means that they are separated by 700 days, the last playoff game and the last MLS Cup win, which I think is just an interesting thing that will never get you anything in anything or anywhere in life. Uh, but it is a round number that separates the last playoff game and the last MLS Cup win, and they're separated by 700 days. So I guess you well, can amaze your friends the, with that. The fact that they now have a four-year, they've gone four seasons without appearing in the MLS Cup final, that's not that long. There's a lot of MLS teams that have never been in the MLS Cup final. They've gone four years. That's a franchise record. That's <laughs> something that doesn't get a lot of attention. That right. is incredible. It's one of the original MLS teams, and they've never gone until now. They've never gone four seasons without being in an MLS Cup final. Uh, let's uh, let's rapid fire some of these, uh, and I'm serious. Rapid fire this time. No no long explanations. Yes, no's. A couple words explanations. Let's get through some of these uh, listener questions. Lightning here. round. Yeah, <laughs> lightning round. Exactly. Uh, I am so good at lightning rounds. Uh, John Tierney. John writes in and says, do you think the G's will start camp with all four designated players or will that situation be resolved before? What do you think? No. Yeah, there we go. They they report for. I agree. Uh, His second question. Haven't heard much in months about the goalkeeper slot. I'm not anti Bingham and aware of Lampson, but are they the best options? World Cup champ or I get he says World Cup champion, but I I guess MLS Cup champion quality. Um, No, Bingham is not World World Cup champion quality. Uh, He's probably MLS Cup champion quality behind a good defense. I don't have a problem with them staying exactly where they are with goalkeepers. Do Do you see any changes? I don't see any nothing on the horizon. I but I disagree. I don't know that he's MLS Cup quality, but he could. We didn't think Tyler Miller was that good when he came to LAFC last year too. So, again, the defense in front of him will make the difference. Def- defense is the biggest part of his results last year. Um. All right. Uh. Philip writes in. What's your favorite move of the off season so far, Kevin? Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I uh, ha- I have to say Polenta is probably going to be that move right now because it's such a position a need for them. Um, but rec- but getting Zlatan on a designated player deal is probably a pretty 
pretty yeah, sweet I, move. I'm going to say it's a lot of time because we went into the offseason not knowing whether he would be back. We, it, it, we just assumed that it was going to happen, and and when it happened, we almost acted like it wasn't a surprise. But there was some real doubt. So I think it's a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is this is one from uh, Cameron. Cameron says, uh, "What are your thoughts on the immediate impact of rumors towards South America after the arrival of Guillermo Barrascoleto and Dennis Teclosa? I think I covered that. Yeah, you it's did. A, but you have to say, huge, a huge plus plus. It, he gives them credibility all throughout Latin America, a place where the Galaxy traditionally have not been active. It's where the best young players in MLS are coming from. It makes the Galaxy a player in that market overnight." Uh, Cameron continues. He says, "If Polenta is the starting, is the only starting center back uh, signing, assuming the deal gets done, which we're saying it is, uh, who starts next to Polenta? If you right now, the people who are signed, who starts next to Polenta for you? Right now, I start Polenta next to Steris and Romney plays on the wing, but I don't think that's the best alignment. What are you going to do with Shelvick? Are you are you shelving Shelvick? <laughs> well, I, I guess perhaps there could be a competition between uh, between Shel." between Shelvick and, and Steris, but man, you got to look what happened when Shelvick didn't start at the end of the season. Steris and Romney did. Yeah, but you're already throwing that out. We can, we can argue this one. You're already throwing that out by saying that you're bringing in Polenta and he's going to be a center back, right? You're already saying, well, Romney and Steris aren't going to be next to each other. Well, have they said that? I mean, it, you know, uh, Polenta's left footed. Why couldn't he play on the left wing? He, maybe he can, but Shelvick could also play on the left wing. See, that's, I and, mean, that's, that's where you start to get into it. And the Galaxy currently don't have a left back. Um, and you know what all this adds up to? The one thing that makes teams great is competition. Yeah. If you go, you know, we saw that with Omar Gonzalez, where he said, I just phoned it in at the end because I knew I was going to start every week. There was nobody else that was going to replace me. When you come to camp and you and I are asking these questions right now, the coaching staff is probably asking these questions, who starts? If you come into camp and you have to play for your dinner, you're going to work a lot harder and be in a lot better condition when you get here. This is all good. If we're asking these questions, the players presumably are asking these questions too, and they're going to come out and play a lot harder in training. Uh, Cesar asks, uh, does Ashley Cole come back? Ooh, that's a good one. Yes or no? No. Mm, maybe. Uh, that, I guess that was not a yes or no. Uh, no, I would say no as well. It, it just doesn't feel like that's in the cards, although I could see it happening. It wouldn't surprise me either. Um, does, ah, here's a good one. Does Zlatan Ibrahimovic outscore Joseph Martinez this year? This is from, yeah, I saw that. And, and I'm going to say yes. And the reason why is, um, he just had a fantastic season. He has more knowledge of the league coming back. Of course, the league has more knowledge of him, but he has more knowledge of the league. He has a stable coaching situation. Now he knows his teammates. I think he has a much better year. And then the other part of it is, is if Almiron leaves, you know, that's the thing I talked about last year when I voted for Zalatan as MVP is he didn't have an Almarone with with him feeding him. I think Almarone had a ton to do with Joseph Martinez's success. And without him there, I think Martinez still has still going to have a great season, but it's not going to be the season he had this year. So I think Zlatan outscores him. I, I think uh, hmm. I think it's a really good question. <laughs> uh, I don't expect Martinez to have the same goal output as he did last year. Again, too many moving pieces probably on his side. Um, actually, because the Galaxy are returning so many pieces, Kevin, it's more stable on the offensive side for the Galaxy than possibly for Atlanta with them moving some pieces. Um, so does Zlatan outscore Martinez? Yeah, sure. I think he does. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. We're guaranteed to be wrong. Those those answers. That's how that you usually got a 50-50 chance. You know, Dom Dwyer's still on Sporting Kansas City, according to Kevin Baxter. So I know. That's why they had such a good season last year. <laughs> Clearly, that's how it goes. Uh, anything else you want to get to before uh, we're done? 
I was in Kansas City this weekend and I saw the Dom Dwyer posters up around town. I, I, I figured you, you probably went to go see see him. You were like, oh, where's so where? Which way is Dom Dwyer from here? I just yeah, I went to I went out to the, the what is it Mercy Children's, Children's Mercy Park Children's Mercy Park right? Yeah, Children's whatever. Mercy, yeah, yeah, and saw the plaque, the Dom Dwyer statue in front of the stadium. Obviously, all right, that works for me. All right, if you're looking for uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can go ahead and get him at kbaxter11, and of course head on over to latimes.com. For all of his coverage of uh, throwball sometimes, but mostly covering the L.A. soccer scene and the national soccer scene for the L.A. Times. So at kbaxter11 and latimes.com, please go support him there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, cornerthegalaxy.com, our podcasts, our news, our articles, all that fun stuff is right there. Uh, make sure you check it out. We're going to have more coverage as the Galaxy get closer and closer to preseason. And we do have our, our, our off-season event getting planned here very shortly, February 16th. We'll have more details for you here, hopefully, in the next week or two. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox on cornerofthegalaxy.com, and we will catch you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Vox podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.